don't be afraid. You can't be any more afraid than I am. <laughs> Yay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, as I thought about how this church has been a gift to me, I realized that it's really like a faith aid kit. Get it? Okay. Um, though the gifts, many of them, are invisible, you can't see them. You can see them through how they affect me and my actions. So I put together a faith aid kit of my own, dear painting, that I put things in that represent some of these invisible gifts, okay? So in my faith aid kit, I have, can you say it loud because they, they might not know what it is. What is it? calendar because the gifts that I've gotten from the church are timeless okay I've been with this church for 44 years okay it's been here in the past it's been here in the present and it will be here in the future for me I hope 2024 okay um the next thing I have they're never going to see what this is what's this looks like candy it's a little more because I wanted it to be fortified with some vitamins and whatnot so it's like a lozenge okay this represents nourishment as well as a sweetener because I don't like those menthol things you know these are the sweets okay ah. yes Jane what's it say because they can't see the back Yes, it says you're special, yes. And this represents comfort and a sense of security, okay? Oh, this one you'll all see. I tried to get the biggest one I could. A rubber band, what's a rubber band do? It stretches, it bends, right? It's, it's the gift of flexibility. My body might not be flexible like it used to be, but my mind has got to get this way, so I'm still accepting flexibility as my gift. Um, paper clips, what's a paper clip do? Holds things together, so it represents strength. Something else you can't see, right? Strength. I want to go in order, because otherwise I'm going to miss things. <laughs> Notice I didn't put one Band-Aid in my aid kit. I put a whole box. I've had many boobies, okay? This represents healing, okay? Uh, let me see here. Oh, they're never going to see this one either. I don't even know if I can hold it up. 
a bean seed. Yeah. This holds such potential and promise inside this not so pretty seed. Comes a nice plant with green leaves and all kinds of nice things. So this is the promise that I can be something more than I thought I could be, like up here. Okay. Um, oh, my favorite. <laughs> he is. Einstein, yes. Einstein, very smart, right? Known, thank you. Where's more unknown, invisible stuff? Okay. Wisdom. This, the gift from the church has given me wisdom that I can think, choose, and live wisely. Okay. Uh, oh, this could be hard. Sorry about all these tiny pieces. It's a puzzle piece. This represents vision, that I can see a bigger picture that I'm a part of and that I can fit in if I can see which way this goes. Notice my hands are shaking so badly. Look what you're doing there. Okay? But I can fit in. Okay? Ah. <laughs> stickers. Everybody loves stickers. What's on the stickers? Smiley faces on both of them, even the heart ones. Okay? These represent the joy and love of the church family and friends. I'm never alone, whether I am celebrating or, or suffering. Okay? It's shiny, but what is it? It's a rock. Represents faith. Faith is rock solid. We build foundations with rock, roads, walls, anything that needs something sturdy, okay? My last gift to you, and it is a gift to you, there's a box over here, okay? That has a couple of things in it from my faith kit, okay? Will you pray with me? Thank you, God, for this church and all the gifts you have generously given us. Your love is timeless, your generosity abundant. May you be our faith aid kit throughout our lives. Help us remember that you have given us the gift of faith, that we can take what's unseen and make it part of who we are. May we be generous every day with our love and actions. May we be someone's faith aid. In God's name, let the children say amen. Amen. So you may pick one. I think I have, if you know of a friend or a sister or something, They are all different to an extent. Anybody else who is, oh, I forgot something. You can go back to it. I'm betting Jane made those boxes too. So this morning, as you probably see, the, talking about gifts, gifts to give and to receive, I would like to just draw your attention, those of you sitting in the sanctuary, to the posters that are around the sanctuary with a, a, a nod of thanks to Barbara Santagata. Some of you might recognize these. These were our mission 
uh, ministry from five years ago when we started the capital campaign. Some of you probably weren't here then, but some of you were. And what you see around the sanctuary are little posters that identify each of the ways that this church serves the community, the gifts that we receive and that we give to the community. And so this morning what we want to do is to hear some personal stories about those gifts. Um, I'm going to invite, where's Sam Lowe? Ah, there you are. <laughs> I'm going to invite Sam and Kithra to please come up. Um, Sam and Kithra were part of the mission trip team. Um, a little commercial, the mission trip team is hosting our coffee hour, so don't, don't miss that. Did you toss a coin? Who's going first? Okay, so Sam will speak first and then Kithra. Good morning. My name is Sam Lowe, and I went on the mission trip this summer. On this trip, I learned how I could be a gift to others. First, a little on why I decided to go. When I first heard about this trip, I was intrigued. I had been on a few smaller mission trips in the past, but this was my first trip this far away from home. If I'm being completely honest, I didn't know what to expect. I had a little backstory that we'd be helping rebuild homes hit by Hurricane Florence, but other than that, I didn't really know much about the task ahead of me. However, one of the details of the trip really stuck with me and got me thinking about how this mission had come to be in the first place. Hurricane Florence hit the Carolinas five years ago. How could there still be such lasting damage because of this storm? I had certainly never seen a storm do this much damage, especially not to the magnitude that there were still hundreds of homes without running water and working electricity. I knew I had to help in whatever way I could, and so I signed up. I had to give a lot on this trip. I had to constantly give my energy to our work, which after long work days tended to be a little hard. In addition, I am not a morning person, and waking up at 6.30 some days while on a summer sleep schedule did not help. <laughs> the gift I felt I was able to give the best, though, was my time and desire to help. I put time into the work we did, putting two coats of paint on the ceiling in various rooms and cutting pieces of wood for trim in closets. I enjoyed the work I did, as well as the time spent outside the work. I enjoyed the conversations I had with the homeowner, Mr. Lynch, about his childhood. One story I remember was about his driver's test, which I could relate to if I had just taken mine. Spending time with the group at the site, having conversations with Mr. Lynch, and talking and laughing with the group during reflections and games truly gave me a sense of fulfillment. I think that I was able to truly give myself as a gift to those around me. The work we did there was hard, and as the group often spoke about during reflections, it wasn't perfect. However, I was able to take pride in it. I was able to give myself to this mission trip and hopefully give the gift of hope to those who continue to work for the recovery of New Bern, North Carolina. Thank you. All right, hello, I'm Kithara Bartorelli and I was also on the mission trip. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about how the mission trip is a gift to receive as not only did we all experience the gratitude of helping someone rebuild their home, Mr. Lynch, but we also gained friendships within the church that were unforgettable. So I would first like to talk about how I learned how to use tools, something I didn't really know much about. Not a big builder, not much of that, but I learned how to paint, which was probably my favorite experience. I really liked that. Painting the walls, we did multiple coats, and I also learned how to use the miter saw, from the Kellett said, to cut pieces of wood, which was really fun. A bit scary at first, but overall it was a good experience. We also 
helped cook food every day. We would, cook, we would take in groups, split up, and cook food for each other, which was sometimes entertaining, as not all of us really knew how to cook that well, but everything turned out delicious. We also had a day where we spent half the day going to Governor's Triumph Palace and exploring Newburn. This was interesting as we learned the experience of people who lived there very long ago, and we talked to some residents in local shops. But overall, I had lots of fun and gained new experiences. I also learned of the devastation that the hurricanes could bring. During the first day, just driving through, we passed many damaged houses that were broken, built, broken down, and just nothing remaining of it. Just after years later, it was crazy to see how they still weren't getting the help they needed. And among this, we also learned that the church that was helping was losing members and didn't have enough help to support them and keep going. This was very sad as we also learned another church that was helping them was soon losing their help. And this also helped me understand the importance of mission trips and how important it is to be helping others and helping rebuild homes. And I hope that in the following years to come, more people will join mission trips to learn and gain unforgettable experiences. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> I want to just give a big shout out to Marissa, who did a lot of the plan, I think all, all the planning, right? And there are folks here who went on the trips. If you want to, could you raise your hand, please? So there are more folks you can speak with about the trips. And um, so that's the mission part of our sermon this morning. And I'm delighted to ask Garrett Artman to come and talk about our music ministry. Garrett? Good morning. I must admit, truthfully, trying to come up with something to say here was daunting. <laughs> I didn't want to be up here. <laughs> Not just three days ago, I softballed this opportunity to anyone in the choir <laughs> that may want to share just what music has meant to them, not only in this church, but in their life. Uh, I'm up here. So that means no one took the opportunity. <laughs> so I guess now is as good a time as any to share my thoughts on how music is both a gift to give and receive. And it's a lot to share in one session, so I'll try to do my best and give you the Cliff Note version of it. No, I'm not going to take you to sign some papers pledging yourself to join one of the ensembles here. I'm not here to recruit you. I am here to authentically speak talk and share about music and how it has affected my life in ways greater than I ever could have expected. I grew up in rural central Maine. It's a beautiful place full of trees. <laughs> this empty beauty is both undeniable and layered. You have the stunning sky, the wondrous wildlife, the waving water, and the quiet quirks of some small towns. Did you know that if you were to multiply the entire population of the state seven times, you would finally get the population of New York City? It's a breath of fresh air every time I go back, and it strikes a beautiful country chord. My musical beginnings were as backwoods country as they could get. At parties and gatherings, there were people bringing guitars, fiddles, harmonicas, and karaoke competence fueled by their favorite libations. 
My dad, though not a trained musician, knows his way around a guitar and would bring me along to pipe on the harmonica to Billy Walker, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Led Zeppelin, Eric Clapton, the Black Crows, you name it, we played it. I experienced friendship, confidence, identity, and camaraderie with my father, all because we couldn't find a babysitter. <laughs> These experiences led me to a lifelong appreciation for song. It wasn't something I studied, it was a community I experienced, and with those good experiences eventually came that personal study. Having no concept of what the world had in store for me, I joined the marching band in eighth grade as a bass drummer. Then I joined the jazz combo as a keyboard player. And then in the concert band, I was the lone tuba player. <laughs> after the cool previous tuba player named Nate had graduated. I couldn't get enough. I wanted to do everything there was to do. But you know, for the life of me, I can't recall a single piece we played. I have no idea the names of them. But the people, I remember the people I made music with. You've just heard Nate's name, and I could go on about him, as well as Travis, Trent, Nick, Cindy, Andrew, Sarah, Dan, Molly, Jeremy, Amy, Laura, blah, blah, blah. These people are my people. I've been in weddings of these people, funerals for their loved ones, celebrations for their firstborn, and even in solace for their divorces. It's not always happy, but it is always meaningful. And the music of our friendship has meant more than any piece we performed. Music is no different than any other thing. It's appreciated, it's admired, but not necessarily something that requires my own contribution to it. In fact, most of you would say that the ensembles here are better off without your participation in them. Well, as your director of music ministries, I must say I see this church every single day, and this church has a lot of luxuries, but turning away a volunteering soul is not one of those luxuries they have. When the music is good, it's good. It's so easy to listen. Listening no longer becomes a chore to someone, me, giving a long-winded sermon, this, <laughs> but an experience to share. Let me say I'm grateful for this opportunity, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to listen to people and listen to music when it's given, even if it may not sound how I think it should. Let me put it this way. Mothers and fathers, I bet you love your children more than anything in this world. But if someone offered to watch your beloved child for a day, that kid would be in someone's arms before they even finished their offer. There's really no greater gift than offering to help without having to be asked. So take a note, aunts and uncles, if you have a niece or nephew, give babysitting a try. In times when I've been most lonely, a rehearsal was there for me to attend. In times when I felt upset or sad, a wise cracking chorus member has made me laugh. When I'm self-critical and lacking any self-compassion because I can't get the notes right, 
There's a trombone player who has no idea what page of music we're on, and he's showing me videos of his grandkids. <laughs> I have learned confidence, compassion, humor, humility, patience, perseverance, and perspective with everything in my life because of music. I'm grateful for my friendships with doctors, pastors, scientists, engineers, programmers, teachers, and yes, even the dreaded self-identified musician. Despite the collaborative nature of what we musicians do, it can be a very lonely experience. I moved to a community where I knew nobody, and I took a job in an entirely different community. On top of that, became the only 29-year-old full-time director of music ministry I have ever heard of. <laughs> and it wasn't until this past summer at the Presbyterian Association for Musicians Conference in Montreat, North Carolina, that I realized this was a real thing other people do too. I wasn't a service musician at this conference. I wasn't leading congregation and song at the organ or at the piano. I was simply an attendee. I got to sit back, be a member of a community, and was no longer responsible for the musical product to be consumed. To sing was freeing. To sing is freeing. I made lifelong friends during this retreat simply because we happened to join an ensemble and work together towards a collective purpose and a shared goal. Connection is why we're here in this building right now. It gives us meaning and purpose to our lives and to one another. If music doesn't teach you anything, it teaches you the importance of practice. And it's not so much about the quantity of practice, but the quality of it. Culturally, I find us practicing scarcity the most. There's a quote by Dr. Brene Brown that I bring up often. Our culture of scarcity is defined by this sentence. Never blank enough. Never good enough. Never powerful enough. Never successful enough. Never smart enough. There's never enough time things never go the way we want them to. This scarcity thrives in a culture where everyone is hyper aware of lack. Everything from safety and love to money and resources feels restricted or lacking. We spend inordinate amounts of time calculating how much we don't have and how much we want that it hamstrings our willingness to engage with the world from a place of worthiness. It's true, folks, and there's no way around it. Comparison is the thief of joy. After comparison comes shame, and after shame comes disengagement. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the story, yeah, I joined choir in school, and the teacher came up to me and told me to drop the class. It's a song all too often sung. We have to transform this scarcity mindset we have 
and the scarcity mindset we constantly catch ourselves in. My personal philosophy in music and life is that failure is really the only option forward to cultivate worthiness, a clear sense of purpose and re-engagement. It's becoming vulnerable and not knowing victory or defeat, but understanding the necessity of both. There's a cliche, practice makes perfect. But in our human experience, perfection doesn't exist. Perfection is nothing more than idolatry. Practice makes new relationships, new successes, new failures, and new gifts. So what are we afraid of? Let's gift each other a new relationship. Not only with each other, but within ourselves and with God. Amen.